the great fundamental issue now before our people can be stated. It is, are the American people fit to govern themselves, to rule themselves, to control themselves? I believe they are. My opponents do not. Councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. shape the future and the image of our hopes is ours is to determine by our actions and our choices. If we succeed, generations to come will say of us now living that we mastered our moment. Americanism, not globalism will be our credo. out of the ashes this is the right take how's it going everybody welcome welcome one and all to episode number 67 here on the right take i am eric lendrum and unfortunately my co-host jacob grandstaff is still out he is not back this week he will be back in the very near future i assure you he's not going anywhere nothing like that we are still going stronger than ever before and we are looking forward to delivering whole new levels of content for you guys starting with this episode we will be having another special guest interview very soon uh you can already see who it is through the title of this video of course but before we get to our special guest we have to once again give you an election recap right here at the right take and this last week we had the biggest primary night yet of the season in terms of the sheer number of states that held their primaries in a single day seven Seven states had their primaries on Tuesday. Those states are California, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota. 
But when you take a little closer look, you will see that, of course, there's not a lot of excitement here in the sense that there's not a lot of swing states that voted tonight. The, the biggest swing state, of course, is Iowa, which is like Ohio and Florida, a swing state that became much more red under the Trump administration and is still trending that way to this day. But it's mostly deep red states and deep blue states. But to make it somewhat exciting, I'm going to focus on the few interesting races that happened here and the results, which unfortunately were not great overall. This was not a very exciting night, even in the few interesting races in these states. I want to first focus on one that was interesting in New Jersey, the race for the fourth congressional district there. This one is interesting because it is a safely red seat and the incumbent there is a fellow by the name of Chris Smith. Now, what is special about Chris Smith? He is tied with... Kentucky Congressman Hal Rogers for the record of the longest serving incumbent member of Congress, member of the House of Representatives to this day. Chris Smith was elected in 1980 and took office January 3rd of 1981. Back when Jimmy Carter was still president, it was the eve of the Reagan presidency. Members of Congress being in office for that long, but he's clearly been doing something right, I guess, as far as his constituency, because he is still there. But he faced a pretty serious primary challenge this year by someone you would not have expected, a potential new young blood here in the conservative scene, in the America First scene, 28-year-old Mike Crispy, who is a commentator with an outlet you may have heard of, Right Side Broadcasting Network, RSBN, which rose to prominence in 2015 by being basically the first outlet that said, we are going to live stream and cover in real time every single event featuring then-candidate Donald J. Trump, every single rally, every single speech, and they are still doing it to this day, reliably, along with a couple of others like Newsmax. Anytime President Trump gives a rally, you can bet RSBN will have it on YouTube, on Rumble, and elsewhere. So this 28-year-old commentator from RSBN, a very popular, you know, uh, America First outlet, nonetheless, very pro-Trump, decided he was going to run against Chris Smith. And he ran with some pretty solid grassroots support behind him. He was endorsed by Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, former Mayor Rudy Giuliani, uh, Carrie Lake, the frontrunner for the governor's uh, race in Arizona, the Republican there who was endorsed by President Trump. Also, Crispy is endorsed by Roger Stone, based, and the American Populist Union, among others. So he went into this race with some serious momentum against a longtime incumbent. Unfortunately, he fell short with 37% to Chris Smith's 57.6%. So a 20-point margin of defeat, which uh, on the surface doesn't sound great, but when you consider that he, this is a first-time political candidate for anything, as young as he is, he would be the new youngest member of Congress uh, after Madison Cawthorn was primaried out. But to fall short by that much, or to have, I guess, that impressive of a showing in his first run is not bad, I think, realistically, with this grassroots support he had the first time around, and now to have some name recognition in the district, he could build up off of this and build the foundation for something stronger to possibly run again in the future for this seat or for something else. So let's keep an eye on his future uh, in the coming years. But Chris Smith, of course, won the nomination and will most likely win the general election. Iowa, the one big swing state that had their primaries on Tuesday, a bit of an upset, I think, in the U.S. Senate race. I didn't see this coming. So, of course, Chuck Grassley, the incumbent senator, that's another guy who has been there for a very very long time. He also was first elected in 1980. He will be 89 years old. But the race for the Democratic nomination, although this, like I said, Iowa is a red state, a swing state that has turned red, it's widely expected that Grassley will win and hold this seat. But the Democratic nomination was definitely interesting. The front runner for the longest time is a woman named Abby Finkenauer, 
who previously was elected to Congress from Iowa in 2018 as part of the big blue wave and subsequently was then defeated in 2020, just two short years later. She served only one term and she was out. There were a handful of Democrats who won office across the country in, in a handful of swing seats in California and Iowa and elsewhere. They won in 2018 off of the usual anti-incumbent sentiment and then were defeated just two years later. So the seat was returned back to normal. She was the front runner. She uh, had spent more money than any other Democratic candidate. And in the polls, even just in the weeks leading up to the primary, she was leading by double digits over the next highest candidate, uh, Michael Franken, who was a retired rear admiral in the U.S. Navy. She outspent him by almost a million dollars. And in several polls, in one poll, she led him 64 to 15, and another one, 53 to 26. A handful of undecideds there, but still decisive margins in these polls that suggested she would win outright. The final poll of the race held roughly one month before the primary, so a little bit outdated, but the final poll, nonetheless, did have Franken in the lead by two points, 42 to 40%, with 14% of the voters undecided. And yet, when the primary came around, Franken defeated her 55 to 40. So a landslide margin that we didn't see coming. And I would assume that he's probably a little slightly more moderate candidate than she was. You know, she was a bit more left-wing, you know, feminist and all that stuff. So that's a bit of an upset, but uh, Grassley is still obviously the favorite to win that seat and to hold that seat. So no real surprises here, but either way, that was definitely something I did not see coming and a pleasant surprise. So hopefully she will realize her career, or whatever political career she had is definitely done. And that will be the last we have seen of her. Other races in Iowa that are worth keeping an eye on is, of course, uh, we know Kim Reynolds is most likely going to be reelected as governor. That's not much of a surprise. The one and only seat left, Iowa has four congressional districts, the one and only seat left still held by a Democrat, held by Cindy Axney. The primary there was won by state senator Zach Nunn, who, among other things, was endorsed by former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Interesting. Uh, due to redistricting, the polls seem to suggest that this particular seat could flip red. And if it does, Iowa will go 100% red across the board. All the statewide offices, both senators, and all four seats in the House of Representatives. So keep an eye on Iowa 3 in November. This was my personal favorite race. Montana, another deep red seat, obviously, but one of a few states that did gain a seat as a result of the 2020 U.S. Census. So with redistricting, they went from having a single at-large district to two districts. So incumbent congressman formerly of the at-large district, Matt Rosendale, ran for the nomination for the new second district, which he won handily. In the first district, an old name from the past return, Ryan Zinke. Why does the name sound familiar? Former Navy SEAL who previously served as the congressman for Montana's at-large district before he was then selected to be the Secretary of Interior in the Trump administration from the get-go. A great guy, Trump supporter all the way, you know, from the very beginning. He is now running to take technically his old seat, I guess, or half of his old seat. He ran for the nomination for the first district, uh, was challenged by a former state senator named Albert Olszewski, and it was a little bit closer than you would think. But with Trump's endorsement, as well as the endorsement of Montana Senator Steve Daines and Governor, former congressman as well, Greg Gianforte, Zinke ultimately did manage to win by around 1,600 votes. So a pretty close margin there, uh, about a two-point margin over Olszewski. And he is the Republican nominee for the seat, which is R plus 10. So he is obviously most likely going to win the general election against the Democratic nominee. So Zinke will be returning to Congress, a, a staunch Trump ally. He's one more person we definitely need in Congress. So that is a welcome return. Definitely the biggest election result of the night that everyone is talking about 
came from my home state, California. And of course, there's not much to see in the statewide races. Uh, we did see Republicans manage to make the runoff again in this jungle primary system. The top two candidates go to the general. We did see Republicans manage to beat Democrats and make it to the runoff in the elections for a governor and U.S. senator and a handful of other statewide offices. But the biggest victory definitely of the night was in the modern-day Sodom, the most left-wing city in all of America, San Francisco. Well, did a Republican win in San Francisco? No, of course, that's not what happened. But in a race with huge ramifications for progressives all across the country, again, if this could happen in San Francisco, this could happen anywhere. The district attorney, Chesa Bowden, who, spoiler alert, is the son of literal domestic terrorists. His parents were both members of the far-left domestic terrorist group Weather Underground, sentenced to prison for murder for a robbery that left two police officers and a security guard dead in New York. While his parents were in prison, he, they went to prison when he was 14 months old, by the way, he was raised by leaders of the Weather Underground, Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. So you can imagine what this hell spawn, the children of domestic terrorists biologically and foster parents, would do. Of course, when he became district attorney in San Francisco in 2019, he immediately started implementing soft on-crime policies, reducing sentences and reducing uh, penalties for certain crimes, and basically saying, we're going to let uh, criminals go, and we're going to let people use drugs freely in the streets. We're not going to deal with the homeless issue, and we're going to instead crack down on cops, because of course, that's what he said he would do. Surprise, he was one of many district attorneys backed by George Soros. But I guess even San Franciscans saw that it was just too much, the homelessness, the needles lying around, crap in the streets, crime running amok, robberies in broad daylight that forced a number of like Walgreens and other convenience stores to shut down their locations in San Francisco because it was just too much. They had enough, and a recall election was held, and against all odds, this man, this Soros-funded progressive, lost in San Francisco. 56% voted to recall him, 44% voted to keep him. That's a 12-point margin, and that's a landslide. I, I didn't think it would happen. I thought he would survive, but he is out, and now Mayor London Breed, a Democrat, of course, will appoint a successor to take his place. So uh, is this, of course, a Republican victory? No, he's still going to be replaced by a Democrat, and that was always going to be the case. If this had been like a regular election of him running against a Republican, he would have won. But the fact of the matter is that because voters knew he would be replaced by a Democrat, they voted to recall him, figuring, okay, maybe we'll get someone in who will be a little bit better on crime, or at least promises to be better on crime. Kind of like what happened in New York City with uh, uh, Eric Adams, a former police officer himself. Taking, in, taking over for de Blasio and basically saying, all right, I'm going to be a little bit tougher on crime, guys. Although we're still yet to see if he will actually honor those commitments. But either way, just running on that message got him elected. And that is what happened here. This is a pretty big deal because certainly if this could happen in San Francisco, I think this definitely could happen in Los Angeles as well. They are also trying to recall their district attorney there, George Gascone, who formerly was DA of San Francisco before he moved to LA to be DA there and was succeeded again by Chesa Bowden. So... Uh, George Cascone has definitely got to be watching his back. He is another Soros-funded prosecutor, so we'll keep an eye on that one. That recall is not until November, unfortunately, but that is definitely a white pill in California, which is a very, very rare thing, to say the least. We will continue to, get to give you guys more updates on the primaries as they happen. The next primary is coming up, uh, just a small handful of states, four states. Uh, again, mostly red states, but with one big swing state that will be voting on Tuesday, June 14th, and that is Nevada. That is a very crucial seat, both their governor's race and the race for U.S. Senate there. Trump has made his pick in both cases, and we will be bringing you those results after they happen in next week's episode. 
And now we have another very special surprise for you guys here at The Right Take. We do our best to uh, broaden the scope, broaden the scale of what we do here at the podcast. And what better way to do that than with guests? We have had a handful of esteemed guests on the show in the past, including Liberty Hangout's Caitlin Bennett and our buddy Tom Papper at Valiant News. So we've got another guest here for you, ladies and gentlemen. This is, uh, full disclosure, this is a friend that we have been trying so hard to get on the podcast for quite a while now, but we've been busy mutually on both sides. We've just had a bunch of things coming up, but we have finally managed to nail it down, to lock it down. We have got him here on the right take for your entertainment as well as ours. He is affiliated with a former guest and... Ladies and gentlemen, I can announce to you here and now on the right take for the first time, we are going international. We are reaching out to our very first guest all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. The one and the only Jack Hadfield. Jack, welcome to the right take. Well, thank you for having me on, Eric. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here, man. I am so looking forward to this episode. (laughs) So as I hinted, you are affiliated with one of our previous guests, the man who was our first ever guest on The Right Take and our first two-time guest, Tom Papper at Valiant News. You, of course, work closely with Tom at Valiant News. You guys have a, a daily show where the two of you just cover the latest happenings in politics and pop culture and whatnot. So, Jack, why don't you go ahead and uh, first off, just introduce yourself, and maybe if you feel so inclined, preview some of the stuff coming down the pipeline from you guys at Valiant News. Yeah, well, uh, as uh, as you said, I'm very well, <clears throat> very well affiliated with Tom. I'm now uh, I'm I'm the associate editor uh, over at Valiant News under his uh, fantastic leadership, and uh, yeah, I'm also the co-host on Valiant News Live, as you said, which is a uh, which is a show that we do. Uh, it's uh, it's great fun. Um, it's the first sort of you know because I've done interviews and stuff like this before, but I've I've never really done sort of a regular show, regularly hosting this. Uh, I, I I'm in the same studio where I usually present it, which is uh, my bedroom. Uh, <laughs> we all got to start but, uh, somewhere, right, man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know we have uh, we have great fun there over there. We you know we have a great team uh, on the site at Valiant News as well, of course. Uh, and we've been producing a number of stories. And he said uh, things that are coming up. We've got more uh, exclusive interviews uh, with a number of guests that we've uh, pre-recorded. Uh, they've just been been in the backlog, but they should be coming out soon. Um, uh, interviews again, uh, up- upcoming stuff scheduled. You know we're looking at. Uh, reaching out to some various interesting people. Uh, now, that will be uh, that will be good content upcoming, but I can't really say much more about that now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, as you said, we produce uh, news articles all day, every day, uh, about the stuff that, you know, people really want to be interested in. Of course, and you guys never fail to deliver. I've watched your show with Tom every now and again, and it never fails to make me laugh and inform me at the same time. You guys just have some great insights and great analysis that you're not going to hear anywhere else. So seriously, guys, check them out, Valiant News Live. Um, so to start this off, of course, uh, at the beginning of the episode, I did as what, what I have been doing for the last few weeks. I recapped the results of the latest round of primaries, the biggest round of primaries yet, most amount of states in a single day. Uh, but I got to be honest with you, Jack, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this. The biggest news in terms of 2022 midterms is not the result of any single election or who won or who lost a primary or what have you. I think the biggest news we got over the last couple of weeks was another very important endorsement from our favorite president, Donald Trump, who made an endorsement in what I think is one of the crucial races it all across the country, arguably the race that will determine control of the United States Senate above all else. And he endorsed, I think, one of the absolute best, most based America first candidates <laughs> in this entire cycle. He endorsed. 
Blake Masters, the Peter Thiel associate who uh, co-authored the best-selling book Zero to One with Peter Thiel, who is running for the U.S. Senate in the state of Arizona to challenge incumbent Democrat Mark Kelly, the crazy gun-grabbing astronaut. So, uh, Jack, I, I understand you and I are both uh, certified J.D. Vance stands. You and I were both very excited when based hillbilly man won President Trump's endorsement. We supported him before mm -hmm. that. And we were just over the moon when he won that primary in a landslide, more than 10 points over the runner-up, that weasel career politician Josh Mandel, although the polls suggested, oh, it could be close. Mandel could still beat him or the never Trumper Matt Dolan could rise to first while those two cancel each other out. None of that happened. J.D. Vance is going to the finals in November. And by all accounts, God willing, he's probably easily going to take that seat against the crazy Bernie wannabe Tim Ryan. So he's going to be a senator soon, most likely from the state of Ohio. Arizona is going to be a bit tougher, as we know. It was uh, <clears throat> questionably <clears throat> won by Joe Biden in 2020, and the audit in Maricopa <laughs> County showed a lot of suspicious, some sussy stuff going on there. So this is ripe for being taken back by the Republicans. And realistically, if they can't win this seat, they probably won't take back the Senate at all. So I am excited about this. Uh, Jack, what are your thoughts on based Blake Masters? Yeah, that's the thing. He's actually been, he's 100% my favorite of the, you know, new candidates. You know, I love, uh, you know, uh, a number of people in Congress now, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar. Um, but in terms of the newcomers, I mean, you know, you can't get any better than Blake Masters at all. Um, you know, I, you, know uh, you mentioned J.D. Vance, who is also part of that same sort of teal crowd. Um, yeah, I was so glad he won. Uh, but obviously he got his endorsement you know, right, just right before the primary actually happens. So close. You know, with Masters, it's far out. And I think this is the thing, you know, um, Trump's learned from uh, from Vance. And I think Vance, in, in, many, in many ways, also learned from Trump. Vance was somebody I was uh, a little suspicious of, of the fact, you know, I think he voted Evan McMullen in 2016 and right. had, you know, had various sort of never Trump passed. But, you know, this is the important thing that, uh, that Trump said in his endorsement of Vance was that, you know, he gets it now. Um, and I think Vance is 100% fully, fully on our train. But with Masters, I've, I don't think I've ever seen anything like I could criticize him at one point now or in the past. Uh, you know, he's come out with some insanely based things literally the day before his endorsement. He said, like, uh, the New York Times would call me a nationalist. Guilty as charged. Uh, oh, sorry. You know, sorry for being a nationalist, but I am now and you'll deal with it. And we're going America first all the way. Um, and I think, yeah, as you saw with Vance, you know, he was sort of it, it was it was it was a pretty tight race, you know, with with only a few days to go. Gets a Trump endorsement. Boom. Wins pretty easily. Landslide. Uh, with Masters, he was already pulling ahead, coming up from, you know, nine percent or something back in the polls in, in, in November. He has this momentum. He was already getting a few points ahead in the latest poll from a uh, pro Blake Masters super PAC, which I think Breitbart released uh, last week or a couple of weeks back or so. Mm -hmm. Um he, and with this Trump endorsement, there's no way in my mind now that this won't, you know, make him the complete dominant uh, leader uh, in the, you know, a, a, as as we come in, uh, as we come up to the primary actually being held. Exactly. There are so many more parallels between the Ohio primary and the Senate and the Arizona primary. In both cases, you know, it's almost uncanny. In both cases, mm. you have five major candidates on each side. You have your initial front runner for the primary, who is uh, only really the front runner because they're the only statewide official in the race. So they have that default name recognition and they just run off of that and nothing else. You had that with Josh Mandel, the former state treasurer in Ohio. And in Arizona, you had that with 
Attorney General Burnovich. Mark Burnovich. And we will get back to that weasel in just a minute. Uh, but then he is the front runner for the longest time. But in both cases, the dominant choice in every single primary poll is not front runner, statewide front runner. It's the undecided option, showing that overwhelmingly voters are still kind of up in the air. They don't really know who to go for. Then the front runner is challenged by a businessman who has never uh, held office before. You had that with uh, businessman Mike Gibbons in Ohio, and then in Arizona with uh, Jim Lehman, the solar power businessman, yeah. and we will come back to him as well. So that businessman kind of rises into first place, and in both cases, in Ohio and Arizona, the front runner and the businessman kind of clash with each other, allowing for the America First candidate to soar right into the lead, to rise above the fray get Trump's endorsement, and win the nomination. Obviously, the last part hasn't happened yet in Arizona. Their primary is painfully far away. It's not until August 2nd. Oh. But nevertheless, this was actually important. It was pointed out to me that, yes, as you said, this is much sooner, uh, this is much more before the primary than it was in Ohio. In Ohio, mm. it was, I think, 10 days before the primary. Mail-in votes, mail ballots had already gone out. That was a big problem. That was mail ballots being counted first in Ohio. Seemed to indicate Vance would have a rough night. Then day of election and later mail ballots came in and he ran away with it. Trump's endorsement went out in Arizona right before mail ballots were being sent out for the first time. So that obviously played a factor. And that is going to be on everyone's minds when they're casting their votes by mail and especially on election day. So God willing... Blake Masters will be able to pull this off because, like you said, he he has risen above the fray in the last few polls here and there. He was already doing well, whereas Vance was kind of languishing in fourth place in a lot of polls. So he's much in a better position. As Jacob and I talked about in the previous episode, talking about the Georgia primaries, a big boost to Vance and presumably to Masters as well is they both have $10 million each in Peter Thiel funding for just the <laughs> primaries. That obviously plays a huge role as well. But it is so important, like you said, that uh, Blake Masters has become the frontrunner because a huge part of Trump's endorsement statement, one of the longest and most comprehensive yet, it was mostly pro-Blake. You know, he's great on guns. He's great on the border. He's America <laughs> first. All the good stuff. He devoted a giant paragraph, a mini thesis oh, towards yeah. the end, to an anti-endorsement of Mark Burnovich, the incumbent attorney general who did jack squat to fight back against voter fraud in 2020. He insisted, oh, there's no fraud. Biden's winning legitimately. He certified the results along with Secretary of State Katie Hobbs and Governor Doug Ducey. And suddenly, and he, he didn't support the Arizona uh, Senate audit either. Then suddenly, he's running for Senate. And now, oh, I believe in election integrity. Yeah, okay, stuff it, Bruno. We know where you're coming from. So <laughs> Trump saw through that and knew he was full of it. Jim Lehman is completely funded by China. He has a well-documented history of years of doing business with China to the tune of millions of dollars for his solar power business. And as recently as 2018 was in a Time magazine article, front and center, bashing Trump's protectionist tariff policies because they were hurting his business with China. So Trump saw right through that. And there's two other candidates, um, a former uh, Arizona National Guard, a junior general named uh, Mike McGuire, and a uh, Arizona Corporation Commissioner, that's a position they have, I guess, <laughs> named Justin Olson. So very relevant. No one cares about them. So Masters is the clear front runner. This is a worse field in terms of his competition, a less competitive field than what Vance was up against. Vance was up against mm. some pretty decent competitors. So all going in his favor. Masters should win this nomination, I think. Uh, and I don't know if this is a result of Trump's endorsement or what, but I got you got to back me up here, Jack. Has Blake Masters yeah. not been getting even more based since Trump endorsed him? I, I know. I thought it was. I thought it wasn't possible. But here he is. You know, coming out. Especially uh, uh, there was uh, there was a thing where 
recently he had to uh, help physically remove a uh, you know a uh, 73 year old protester who got into a, uh, an altercation at a at a GOP event, and obviously, of course, the media said, you know, oh, Blake Messers is rough handling this poor old Democrat who's done nothing wrong at all. Uh, and then I think he tweeted back. He was like, you know, he was like, he was like, I can't believe the media is coming after me, you know, for defending somebody who hit a woman. And then he was like, yep. 10 out of 10 would do it again. That is <laughs> legendary. Yes. And the video, this guy, the protester, mm. old white man, 73 year old white guy in a BLM mm -hmm. shirt was filming himself holding the phone like way high above his head for a bird's eye view, yep. I guess. He films himself as, yeah, he gets an argument with Blake Master supporters. He punches an old woman in the face, a shorter than him, mm -hmm. smaller than him, punches her in the face. So immediately masters himself and several of his supporters run up to the guy to grab him and throw him out of the building. And that was just absolutely legendary. And of course, the media ran away with, oh, he assaulted an innocent protester. Fact checkers, there's no proof he hit a woman. It's literally on the video, guys. Fact checkers mm -hmm. are just such a waste of skin and a waste of oxygen at this point. And this was great. It has been reported, uh, Benny Johnson from Turning Point USA reported this, the man in question, 73-year-old Peter Jackson, not of Lord of the Rings fame, apparently is a convicted sexual predator who molested his own underage daughter. No, no way. <laughs> oh, you cannot make it up. It never fails. Every... <laughs> well, you know, obviously, you're digging with Carl Rittenhouse. Can't remember his name. He was a, he was a pedophile. Yep. And now you've got this guy, you know, diddled <laughs> Tittles is underage lords are oh, done for that. How 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 come all of these Democrats are all pedophiles? It never fails. Kyle Rittenhouse just randomly fired into a crowd of Antifa protesters yeah. and hit one child molester, one domestic abuser, and a burglar. Like you yeah. it's target practice on criminals yeah. on the worst of society. Oh man. But yeah, Blake oh. Masters looking stronger than ever. And then mm -hmm. I'm sure you saw this one. The media, I first mm. saw this in the Huffington Post, naturally. They had an uproar over what Masters had to say about guns because of course in the aftermath of the buffalo and uvalde shootings there's another renewed push for gun control actually on my way to the studio here today uh i took the metro and i saw a bunch of anti-gun protesters heading to a protest on the national mall spoiler alert most of them were boomers they were all wearing masks and they all had the most basic signs you can think of one of them had a sign clearly a professional well-designed sign i didn't see what it said but it was some gun control message written in rainbow because of course it is the month of june it's you know mental illness awareness month so anyway <laughs> so guns are obviously all the rage right now so blake masters gave a statement on guns and uh, when i saw this i i just I, I love this quote we do have a gun violence problem in this country and it's gang violence it's people in chicago st louis shooting each other very often you know black people frankly end quote yeah. so <laughs> The me <laughs> I love my favorite part of that whole statement is that he had to throw the word frankly on at the very end there. That's frankly. such a Trump move. Like frankly, <laughs> it's black people, frankly. But I mean the media got in an uproar. He's a racist. He's a racist. I mean, the and the funniest, the best part about that, he's not wrong. Everything he just no. said is true. Gang violence. You look at Chicago, you look at Detroit, you look at every crime statistic from the FBI and the DOJ that they hate talking about. They hate talking about those numbers. Mm -hmm. It is true. There's plenty of black conservative commentators who will talk about this on Fox News and elsewhere. There is a problem of gun violence and gang culture in you know black culture in America today. And now, whether mm -hmm. you, you want to talk about the possible causes for that or possible solutions to fix that, that's a different story. I'm going to leave that up to the Candace Owenses of the world. But it's <laughs> true. It's a true statement. And Plate Masters... You gotta love this, Jack. He didn't even have to go out of his way to say that because there's not exactly a huge black population in Arizona. They they have obviously mm -hmm. more Hispanics because they're right on the border. They got a problem with illegals. But he didn't have to say that, but he went for it anyway. What the absolute mad lad. I love him so much. 
yeah, no, it's great, you know, to have people like Blake who are coming out and just telling the truth about difficult issues. You know, that's the thing. It, it is, you know, uh, it is gang crime. And most of the members are black. And it's like, that's not like, that's a fact. And, you know, you, you can't get mad over something that is literally true, you know. Like what they could get mad about is saying, you know, uh, oh, oh, oh uh, you know, it's the, it's, the, it's the black gang members are doing it and they're doing it because they're black. It's something about them being black that makes them this way, which is obviously, you know, that's that, you know, that's a completely different point. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the point is he's saying this is a thing, because if you can't identify what the problem is, you can't fix it. Exactly. You know, and he obviously he is a problem solver in the business, you know, being a, a partner with Peter Thiel and. That's one more thing that I think is just so disingenuous because we're going to bounce right off of that. The attacks that have come out against him are the same attacks that came out against Vance almost. Of course, the big thing against mm-hmm. J.D. Vance is, oh, yo, he was an ever-Trumper, which the moment Trump endorsed him, that issue was a dead issue because if you know, who cares if he's anti-Trump if Donald Trump himself endorsed him? The one other thing I ever heard about J.D. Vance as a criticism, oh, he's with big tech because he's associated with Peter Thiel. <laughs> Never mind that, yeah. of course, Peter Thiel is our guy. He is definitely more decisively based than anyone else in big tech. 100%. He's, he's definitely, I would much rather have someone on like that on mm-hmm. our side than against us. But Jim Lehman, oh, Jim Lehman, almost immediately after Trump's endorsement of Blake Masters, just went absolutely berserk. He issued a statement. I got hoping, seething, perhaps you could say. Absolutely. Just completely crushed at the fact that Blake Masters was endorsed by Trump instead of him. And he once again said, you know, oh, this is just a his campaign is just a subsidiary of a big tech billionaire. And notice, of course, he doesn't name who the big tech billionaire is because it would immediately Mm -hmm. fall apart. It's not like it's Parag Agrawal or Mark Zuckerberg funding this guy. (laughs) But he also claimed that Blake Masters, uh, uh, he's an anti-Semite. He's quoted Nazis. He said World War II was unjust. (laughs) He supports the Unabomber. He literally, I'm not kidding. Mm -hmm. The campaign ad for this literally shows a picture. It was amazing. It shows Blake Masters' picture on like a a billboard with a, a thumbtack in it. And there's lines connecting it to a picture of the Unabomber and a picture of Nazis and concentration camps. It's literally that meme of the crazy guy showing a giant billboard of pictures, you know, tied to each other, trying to explain a conspiracy theory. And I'm like, yeah, 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 Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's what that it is. It was that exact scene, just like that. It's like, oh, look, look, I'm figuring it all out. Okay, you know, it's it's all coming in. Blake Masters and the Nazis and and the anti-Semites and and oh, and the Unabomber as well. It's all connected together. <laughs> He just watched. I, I think. I think it's like, come on, yo, come on, Jim, yo, let's, 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 let's just put put on this like, nice straight jacket. We'll get you into the padded room. Get you on some pills to help fix everything. Now, now, take a deep breath, okay, there, buddy. And don't and don't worry, don't worry. The institution where you will be housed, the insane asylum you're going to, it'll be solar powered. Relax. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, coping and seething. China first, Jim Layman, China Jim, as some people call him. You are done. And Bernovich, again, the one person who's more burned than him has got to be Bernovich because he has mm-hmm. been he's been trying so hard to turn an about face and say like, oh, no, I, I swear I support election integrity. Oh, then why have you done literally jack? in your position as attorney general. He he basically is Arizona's Jeff Sessions. He rolled over and mm-hmm. died and did nothing with his position of power whatsoever. And Trump saw right through that. So I think that is this is the best possible endorsement. Blake Masters is definitely our guy. And it needs to be said, again, Arizona, it's the map for Republicans in the Senate is not pretty this year. Of course, I think they're probably going to take back the House just by virtue of the redistricting alone. But they're probably going to walk away with a comfortable majority. Senate is not looking good. I mean, they've got to hold Pennsylvania, They've got to hold North Carolina. 
Ohio, J.D. Vance probably holds, but th they have more vulnerable seats. It's like what the Democrats map in 2018 was. In a favorable year for them, they still had a net loss of two seats. This, I think this, along with Nevada and Georgia, are the only realistic pickups in the U.S. Senate for Republicans this year. So if they don't hold this one, their chances decrease significantly. If they don't take this one, rather, their chances decrease significantly. And like I said, the incumbent is Mark Kelly, the husband of former Congresswoman Gaffey, Gabby Giffords, who, for obvious reasons, is a gun-grabbing lunatic. And he's probably, you know, having a lot, of, a lot of very satisfying wet dreams right now over what's going on right now with the gun control debate. But he has very much been able to shield most of that with this Feigned charisma of oh, I was an astronaut, and you know I was an astronaut. I went I mean, to space. <laughs> I went to space. I mean, because come on, who doesn't love astronauts, right? You know, and we have had astronauts serve in office. You know, John Glenn, for example, from Ohio. But the fact of the matter is that this guy is a lunatic. He is crazy far left. You know, cinema obviously is a moderate in her own right, but especially compared to Kelly, she looks like a Republican basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we got to take this gun grabbing nut down. And Masters is the best man to do it. I can't wait to see him take the stage. I, I always, and again, I always liked him even way back from when I first heard about him, when a friend told me that he launched his campaign, something he said in his announcement speech was that he wants to see America restored to a society where a family can be raised successfully and comfortably, happily, on one income alone. And that is so true. We need to get back to that. Yeah, no, I think I think that's the thing with uh, with Blake Masters, you know, because it's not just, uh, you know, the the sort of the, uh, you know, Trump's policies. It's something that is far deeper in America first. And I think this whole point of, you know, as you said, this policy where he like wants to get people raising a family on a single income. That's something that I really haven't heard any major politicians talk about for in a long while. And I think if you're somebody who cares about family values, who cares about traditional marriage and, and sort of that being the building block for a successful society, this is almost one of the main things you should be focusing on, um, you know, especially now. But, you know, there's too many Republicans uh, who just think, oh, you know, the uh, market and, and, and oh, we can't do it. You know, the, the, the economy is just you know, we can't do anything about it. But you have to let it do its thing. Exactly. You know. Yeah, but there are so many other forces to it, which and you can actually, you know, there are so many forces which have affected the market over the past 50 years. So why can't we just do something to go back to how it functioned previously? You know, it's not that hard. As they say, reject modernity, embrace tradition. This, that's how it used to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, a house like the House of the Simpsons could be afforded by a man with one income in the 1990s, all right? And now you look at people living in, you know, little boxes that cost uh, $600,000. Mm -hmm. it's, it's absolutely yeah. insane. And this is, like you said, this is at the heart of so many societal and cultural issues. This is not a single policy written by some bowtie-wearing nerd in a think tank. This is not, you know, some fiscal matter. This is something about that gets to the heart of the breakdown of the American family, of American society. And guys like Masters and J.D. Vance has said similar stuff about the importance of the family. This mm -hmm. is so important. Those are conservatives who really understand what is at stake here, that ours is a fight for the very future of America as a civilization. And that is why I am of all else. He is also a young man as well. He's 35, mm. by the way. He will be one of the youngest. I think he'll be only the second youngest senator behind that, ugh, that scrawny little scumbag John Ossoff in Georgia. Um, <laughs> but just imagine, picture this, if you will, Jack. One more thing, so important. I hope I don't get you too excited by talking about this, but imagine <laughs> in January of 2023, Senators Vance, Masters, and Brooks joining forces with the Oof. likes of Senators Hawley and Cotton, and maybe throw in Senator Herschel Walker and Senator uh, uh, Dr. Oz to form <laughs> 
an America first caucus in the U.S. Senate. Amazing. Now, this is the thing. This, I, I know it's already happening. The foundations are already there because it was Marjorie Taylor Greene who, when she endorsed Masters and uh, and Vance, you know, just a uh, just you know a few days after this, she said, you know, I'm working. I'm already working to build a new America first team in Congress. You know, we're going to have all those guys you mentioned in the Senate. We're going to have, you know, uh, Gosar, Green in Congress and loads of the other new America first representatives who are going to come in. Wow. You know, we will have gone from barely anything in 2016, anybody of, uh, of, of, of this caliber there to come 2022 or, you know, January 2023. America, the America first caucus is going to be an unironic power base in Congress. Can you imagine that? I cannot wait. And that's the thing. I mean, even if, even if a couple guys don't get elected here or there, we don't get exactly what we want. It's still good. It's still going to be there. Maybe not exactly. Maybe not perfect. But regardless of the outcome, it's going to happen. It is, as they say, America first is inevitable. <laughs> exactly. And it's not just a matter of Republicans regaining the majority, because it's been said, of course, the rumblings I have heard is that President Trump's entire decision on whether or not he will run again to pull a Grover Cleveland in 2024 is whether or not the Republicans regain majority of the House and the Senate. Because, of course, he comes in in 2025 and one House is still under Democrat control, then what's the point, mm -hmm. right? But it's not just about a majority. It's about getting a sizable portion of that majority to influence the rest of the caucus to vote with President Trump and his America First policies and to not have a repeat of the Paul Ryan fiasco we saw that mm -hmm. wasted his first two years. And that's why another reason the Senate is so important. And I've been debating some of my friends about this because a lot of my friends, and feel free to chime in, Jack, that some of them were not happy, to say the least, that's putting it mildly, over President Trump's <laughs> endorsement of Kevin McCarthy. And I said, all right, mm. I get it. I'm from California. I, my home district is a couple districts over from his. I am well aware of why people don't like him. Do I think he'll be a great, fiery speaker of the House like a Newt Gingrich? No. But I think Trump, being the businessman, the pragmatist that he always has been and always will be, he sees the lesser of two evils here. He knows that between mm -hmm. the two leaders of the Republicans in Congress, McCarthy and McConnell, which one is he going to have an easier time working with? It's going to be McCarthy, right? versus McConnell, who uh, Trump is done with him, obviously. Trump wants nothing to do with a little turtle from mm -hmm. Kentucky, and <laughs> that's why the Senate's so important. The Republican majority, as I said, at best, it gets to 53 seats, because it's at 50 right now. They pick up Georgia, Arizona, maybe Nevada. I don't really think Colorado or uh, New Hampshire is going to happen. That's just me. But let's just say about 53. Mm. You have 53 seats. All you need is three, four just to be safe, but three senators namely <clears throat> Senators Vance, Masters, and <clears throat> Senator Brooks or whoever, to stand up and say, sorry, Mitch, your days are done. Get, hand over the cocaine. You are no longer going to be <laughs> Senate Majority Leader. And that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. If they can't come to a consensus, assuming all the Democrats stay united behind voting for Chuck Schumer, as Rush Limbaugh called him, Chuck U. Schumer, then, then they get someone else. They have no choice. Mm -hmm. They're stonewalled, stalemated until they get someone else. Who that someone else will be? I don't know. I mean, the talk I've heard is that the only likely replacement would be Rick Scott from Florida. But either mm. way, you get Mitch McConnell out of there. And already, by the start of the new Congress, the America First Caucus in the Senate, all three, four, however many of them are, have already done something massive for the right. Oh, exactly. Uh, and I think with the Kevin McCarthy endorsement, for one thing, he's not endorsing him for speaker. He's endorsing <laughs> no. him in his race. Mm -hmm. You know, that's important. And, you know, we've heard various rumblings of a challenge of a challenge for speaker. But of course, 
you know, how can we challenge him for speaker when we haven't even had the elections yet? Exactly. That's going to come up afterwards. So, so I think Trump is, well, as you said, he's clearly the lesser of two evils between him and McConnell. So what does Trump lose by endorsing him just in his home race right now, which is which is definitely going to win anyway? You know, it's, it's a tactical thing, you know, to place the ground so that, you know, if any challenge against him loses, you know, then there's no problem with that. Um, so, you know, so this is this is you know, people need to realize that Trump does. You know, while while some of his endorsements have been completely off the wall, um, a lot of the times he does actually know what he's doing. It's his business instincts that got him to be president in the first place. And, you know, sometimes you do just have to trust the plan. Exactly. I would say his political instincts are right. 98% of the time, mm -hmm. and maybe that's being a little conservative with my estimation there. Yes, he has made some not great endorsements. I personally supported his endorsement of Dr. Oz. I totally understand mm -hmm. why he did that. Uh, Jacob and I have disagreed on that, uh, but and so, so other friends of mine and I have disagreed as well. And of course, I being from California, I will never forget his disastrous endorsement of John Cox for governor in 2018, <laughs> but that's something I'd rather not talk about. Um, but at the end of the day, he makes the right picks, and very rarely will he come out and warn when he will warn us that a certain candidate in a primary is not fit to win the general election. People said, oh, he's cucking out when he wouldn't endorse Kathy Barnett in Pennsylvania. He came out and issued a rare statement mm -hmm. saying, oh, I like her, I'll support her in the future, but if she's the nominee here, she's got too much of unknown history, too much baggage, she can't win the general election. Mm -hmm. I reminded my friends, I said, remember the last time I can recall Trump made a statement like that, an anti-endorsement in a primary warning someone wouldn't win? It was in 2017 with a fellow in Alabama by the name of Roy Moore. And we all know how that <laughs> turned out. So I trust, you're right, trust the plan. I trust Trump. Mm -hmm. Godspeed, Blake Masters. And the sooner we get an America First caucus, the better. Oh, I'm getting so excited just thinking about this. <laughs> this is going to be great. Again, we have to wait over a month now for the Ugh. results of the Arizona primary, as well as Missouri is also happening that day. That's another interesting primary that's worth talking mm. about perhaps some other time, because that's a safe red seat no matter what. The only question is who wins the primary. And of course, that I think that's the last major race now where Trump hasn't made an endorsement yet. So we'll see if he makes a pick in Missouri or yeah, not. Yeah, is it Greitens and a few other people, if I recall correctly? Former Governor Eric Greitens, yep. yes, the former Navy SEAL who got railroaded on a false accusation where the FBI later exonerated him, mm -hmm. uh, the incumbent Attorney General Eric Schmidt and Congresswoman named Vicki Hartzler. So for a mm. while, Schmidt was the frontrunner, then Hartzler kind of burst into the scene, almost like Barnett in Pennsylvania, and then she was the frontrunner. The last few polls do have uh, Greitens back in the lead, so uh, he uh, it seems still like he is, he's the elephant in the room in that race. It mm. is his race to lose, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I personally would lean more... I mean, full disclosure, actually. My personal favorite candidate in the Missouri primary... <laughs> If I was in Missouri, I would vote for this guy, knowing full well he will not win. Mark McCloskey. I mean, yeah. come on. Come on. The gun-toting <laughs> lawyer. That's kind of based. That's extremely <laughs> based. I so wish he had a, a better shot at that mm. election. That man in the Senate... <laughs> oh, don't you? Oh. Can you imagine the content that would just come from that, regardless he of any legislation? It would be funny. He passes by Raphael Warnock in the hall, like, "Hey, I see you. I see you." Just, <laughs> oh man, so oh. Good. so good. Oh boy. <clears throat> so, all right, enough enough dreaming, enough fantasizing about the future of America First, which is looking brighter than ever before. Mm -hmm. We are here to give you entertainment, and what better entertainment than? anger and oh boy jack uh i am ready for your thoughts on this one but uh we got to talk about this man this is of course it's june it's mental mm -hmm. illness awareness month otherwise known as pride month and <sighs> fox news all right 
We know they've been going down the tubes for years, all right? We know Rupert Murdoch is increasingly not involved with the creative and ideological direction anymore. We know his sons have taken over, and allegedly not only are his sons being younger, more liberal, but apparently their wives are hardcore leftists and feminists who are basically leading their husbands uh. around on leashes and telling them what to do. So they really run Fox News. So Fox News has been getting worse and worse. We all know this. Going back to 2020 with uh, them rushing to call Arizona like as soon as the polls closed, even though nobody else did that. They insisted mm-hmm. there was no voter fraud. They won't talk about voter fraud. You know, they refused to talk about the new 2000 Mules movie, for example. And there was a big blow up between Dinesh D'Souza and Tucker Carlson over that. Mm. And a lot of people, rightfully so, left Fox in droves in the aftermath of 2020, largely for Newsmax. Newsmax seems to have taken up the decisive title of the Fox alternative. But for those who are still there, if you haven't already seen this, we're going to play a clip, just a segment of this. It's four minutes long. Link will be in the description below. Share it far and wide, please, for the sake of the country, knowing how fake Fox News is. This is faux news. This is real fake news. Get ready for this from the conservative news channel fox news rylan whittington whose journey of transitioning at age five has been seen by seven million people in a family youtube video ryan yannis has a story about that family that hopes their experience can help others watch here if you saw me walking down the street you wouldn't think anything different 14 year old rylan whittington is a typical southern california teenager and the Whittingtons, along with mom Hillary, dad Jeff, and sister Brinley, are a typical family. The only difference, though, in Ryland's eyes, is what this family can mean to the tens of thousands of kids under 18 who identify as transgender. We put our story out there so people could see that like, there's another family out there that is going through what we're going through, or there's another family who's proud of who they are. Before Ryland could even speak, he managed to tell his parents that he is a boy. I could just see it. It wasn't him trying to be a brat. It was like painful. It was truly painful for him to have to wear feminine clothing and, and for us constantly telling him that you're a girl. Uh, I, I, that's, that's about a minute. That's, the video itself mm-hmm. is about four minutes long. I'm not playing anymore. Again, full link in the description below. I got I to gotta let off my steam here, Jack, and then I will unleash you to give your thoughts. But I'm done. I am done with Fox News. I am done. I am sick and tired of anybody left who still defends Fox News at this point. Because you've heard all the arguments. Oh, there's still a few good people there. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. The few good people left do not justify this, all right? In being complicit in voter fraud and shutting down Trump, that's one thing, all right? That's bad enough. But this, I have said before on a previous episode, and some people told me after that episode came out that I was quite animated about it because I am. This trans nonsense supporting and mainstreaming and reinforcing the delusions of trannies, mentally ill people, to the point that children are being abused surgically, biologically, you're you're drugging them up. That is unacceptable. It's evil. It's demonic. It's satanic. It's child abuse. We need to draw the line and have a zero-tolerance policy for trannies and and this trend. I I guess that's the the proper word to call it because it's not real. It's fake. It's a mental illness. It's a delusion. It's a trend. That's the only reason anybody is buying into this. And the fact that Fox News is mainstreaming this, and that at the beginning, that was Dana Perino, one of their, not one of their main people, but she's certainly been one of the longest uh, surviving sta- uh, stars of The Five, among others, a fixture on Fox News for a while, celebrating this. Oh, this is so great. This is so inspirational. The title of the video literally says, California transgender teen family hope to be an inspiration to others. I am done. I am done with Fox News. No more. Not for Tucker, not for anyone else. Let this ship 
explode and burn and sink down to the darkest depths of the bottom of the ocean where it belongs. Let its wreck split apart upon hitting the ocean floor and let it disintegrate into a faint outline on the ocean floor after a hundred years of disintegration. Let there be nothing left of Fox News. I am done. Newsmax gang, OAN gang, if you're into that stuff, <laughs> let's go. Screw Fox. I am done with Fox. I am done with all of this. No support for trannies ever. Jack, what's your take? Yeah, I don't think I could agree more. But I think that this segment, you know, wasn't just, you know, general promotion of uh, of trans kids and all of that. Um, it was deliberately, in my opinion, deliberately designed to ensure that Fox News viewers or parents who watch Fox News or, you know, who have, you know, who may have kids who are going through, you know, gender dysphoria and think they're transgender, uh, it is designed to brainwash them. Uh, into the pro-trans narrative. There are a few places, so obviously you didn't pay the entire clip, but um, for those who do watch it themselves, there are a few key points that I noted out when I uh, when I wrote this up yesterday. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and uh, and I noted that uh, they actually, uh, that the mother, Hillary, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, you know, what a name that, yeah, yeah. very fitting. You know, uh, she her said Lock that her it up, was- literally. Yeah, <laughs> well, she should be. I mean, this is child abuse in my opinion. Um, you know, uh, she said that it was uh, that actually, you know, they supported Ryland because of their their deep conservative faith, because uh, because they believe in God and that he created us the way he wanted us. So then he created Ryland just the way he is. That's a quote. So it's not, um, oh, God made you a boy or a girl. Therefore, you actually are that. No, it's it's God made you have these thoughts of gender dysphoria therefore you should actually change the body that he put you in so that's 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 the first thing and then the, the then the main one that i saw that was um pretty powerful on this uh was that they recounted a story of going to support group of transgender kids and they said that they met a dad who uh whose whose child had cut themselves or self-harmed because they showed gender dysphoria times at the same age so three four five as Ryland did, and they didn't support them. And then there's a quote, and they said, uh, you know, I'd rather have a living son than a dead daughter. Uh, I guarantee that we, if, we, if we had pushed back and done what a lot of parents do, I don't think we would have one of the kids that you see before here today. This is what Fox News have put on. They have said explicitly, without challenging this, there was no challenge to any of the narrative that was put out here. It was that if you have a kid who's going through gender dysphoria, who's struggling with all of this, if you do not support them, to become trans, they will kill themselves and their blood will be on your hands. That is the narrative that is being pushed to Fox News viewers right now, which is insane to me. During daytime promotion, yeah. And again, keep in mind, this is part of Fox openly admitting that they have a month-long theme of America Together, celebrating Pride yeah. Month. They have a, a graphic on their website of America in rainbows. They literally spell out LGBTQ, XYZ, barbecue, you know, mm -hmm. KKK+, plus, whatever. It's insane. And there's so much to unpack here. Like, I love what you said yeah. in the story that, like, oh, they, they said, I'd rather have a, a living son than a dead daughter, whatever it was. Uh, did anyone show mm -hmm. him the suicide rates for those even after they get the surgeries and whatever? They still commit suicide at rates of at least 40% or more. The surgeries No, because they only discussed them just the fact that they just commit suicide and self-harm. Oh, and, so and, and they're like, well, that's the stat. So believe us, there's nothing more to look into here. <laughs> so many things. Like, as this particular story, this uh, Ryland, I don't know if that's her real name or not, or her new trans name, whatever. And yeah, it, she's a she, by the way, not a he. They, they started putting her on hormone blockers or whatever it is, the surgery, whatever, at the age of six. 
All right. Mm -hmm. Oh, before she could even talk, she knew she was a boy. What does that mean? What does that mean? If you you literally can't even speak, most kids start speaking vaguely at what two, three, maybe. Well, in fairness, uh, she was deaf, so probably a little later, but still. Ah, uh, but even then, mm -hmm. the idea that like, oh, before mm -hmm. a kid can speak, they know they're the different gender. Kids don't even understand two plus two at that age. All right, how are they supposed to understand the idea of gender? It's. I'm yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, when I was five or around that age or so, I mean, I mean, you know, like I knew that boys are penises, girls are vaginas, vaguely, sort of. But I also thought that if you had short hair, you're a boy, and long hair, you're a girl. Yeah, kind of like. Crazy. But I wasn't, you know, that was that was my concept of. I still knew that we look different of different bodies, but I still thought, oh yeah, short hair boy, long hair girl, and that's how it is. So to, to so to say that you know kids of this age overall you know have any concept of you know transgenderism or you know transsexualism as others used to call it had any concept of yeah oh yeah I want to be put on puberty puberty blockers and chop my dick off etc um, like th th like they don't understand this uh, but of, so who's pushing in it yeah you know, I think somebody said you know well it's the same thing uh, if if you see like a vegan dog. You know, who's to blame? It's not the dog. It's definitely not. It's like you said, that's what's so important. These are kids. They don't have the concept of sex or you know, biology or anything like that. They are far away from discovering. They haven't even gone mm -hmm. through puberty yet. How are they supposed to know? This And this has been debunked. Again, I, I give credit where credit is due. Bill Maher has been on point with calling out the mm. left for quite a while now. And I love the segment he did on the trans stuff. And he basically said, uh, paraphrasing, he said, all they're really doing is you know, experimenting on children. And he said, the whims of children especially the younger they are, are very fleeting, they're naive, and they're idealistic. You know, how many little kids want to be uh, fairies or whatever or wanted to be, you know, uh, pirates? He said that, you know, mm -hmm. I, I love the story he told. He said is, if every single eight-year-old kid today set out determined, hell-bent, nothing would stop them, to become what they want to be when they're eight years old, we'd have a lot more princesses and cowboys running around. And Bill Maher said, you know, when, yeah. I, was, when I was that age, I wanted to be a pirate. You know, thank God nobody signed me up for a eye removal or a peg leg surgery, you know, <laughs> cut off an eye and a leg because I want to be a pirate and, and give me a pet parrot that's stuck to my shoulder forever. Like, you know, he, he's, he's right. These kids will grow up out of these phases. And yeah, of course, you'll have times where boys will want to, you know, play with girls' toys or vice versa. Girls will want to play with, mm -hmm. you know, boys' toys. And I mean, that, that to me, that's one of the saddest things I think is as a result of this LGBTQ, you know, WYZX nonsense is that is the death of the tomboy stereotype. You remember tomboys, mm -hmm. Jack? Remember when that was a yeah. thing? That girls this were... is, it's, mm -hmm. it's basically tomboy genocide. And unironically, that's oh, what this is. Oh, such a tragedy. <laughs> are, in fact... And I mean, literally, not in just that they are killing off tomboys as a concept. I mean, by putting girls who are tomboys onto the surgeries and the hormones or whatever, you are literally killing tomboys. Literally, you're sentencing them to death via these suicide rates, mm -hmm. which the numbers do not lie. But it's just, it's repulsive. It is evil. And again, these parents who are sick, they will experiment on their kids because for whatever reason, whether it's their own ideology, if they're left wing, or whether it's you know, peer pressure, you know, that's the thing. Whenever I hear a parent or whenever you hear someone say, oh, I have a trans kid. I don't hear I have a trans kid. What I hear is I psychologically, physically, and sexually abuse my child. Mm -hmm. That's what I hear. This is evil. Parents like this need to be locked up. Anyone who supports this need to be locked up. That poor girl needs to get the, uh, the rehabilitation, the treatment she needs. And I'm done. I I'm so done with this. We should have absolutely zero tolerance. And I mean zero. That is mm -hmm. the right proper stance. You know, as it said in the Bible, you know, 
he who would corrupt the children, you know, what the harshest punishments are those who would mm-hmm. corrupt the children and lead them astray. And we're seeing it here. We're seeing it mainstreamed with Disney. With And again, the pushback against yep. Disney has been pretty impressive, in my opinion. Oh, no, 100%. But, like, just one thing before we move on from the uh, to, to the broader issue from the Fox story. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, this isn't just any random trans kid, right? This is an activist family. Like, they put out a video in 2014 oh when they were seven. They've written a book about it. They did a short film with CNN. And in the clip that Fox News showed right at the start, there's a little still photo from an event last year in California where Ryland went out as a 13-year-old trans kid and supported the travel ban that California had put on for their uh, state employees to other states that weren't LGBT-friendly. And Aww. who was standing right behind Ryland in this clip, none other than State Senator Scott Weiner, who oh. last week proposed that Drag 101 should be part of K-12, was a guy in 2020 responsible for relaxing the rules to be put on the sex offender registry, and stopped HIV, knowingly spreading HIV from being a felony in California. Yes, That's yes. the people that this guy is with, and that, that, that these kids are hanging out with. You know, it's, 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 yeah, they're not just an ordinary family, they are an activist you know, pro-transgender family. Like, that's the point here as well. Exactly. Again, as a former Californian, thank you for bringing up Scott Weiner. Yes, that is his last name. And yes, that is a, the most <laughs> fitting name for a politician of this scandalous stature since Anthony Weiner. That absolutely is true. Every single, almost every single bad bill, especially the sexually mm-hmm. degenerate ones, guaranteed they're written by this guy, making it no longer a crime to knowingly give someone HIV, all that stuff. Then obviously, yes, spoiler alert, he's gay himself. Surprise. So that <laughs> guy- he might be, in terms of the sheer volume and the severity of the perverse, again, demonic and satanic bills he has written, which, of course, anything written by someone with the name, the letter D after the name in California is going to get passed to law. By that, by his record alone, I think Dark Horse, he may be a Dark Horse candidate for the most evil politician in all of America right now. That is, I, I know that's probably a hot take. There's a lot of contenders for that title, but I think he takes the cake. And he knows exactly where he's going when he dies. And I guess he's okay with that, as long as his legacy here on Earth is a lot of mutilated children committing suicide. <laughs> no, but, uh, well, no, well, Scott's uh, just thinking, no, yeah, hell's not real. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, and then he finds himself burning in the pit for all eternity. <laughs> I'll be reincarnated <laughs> as a butterfly. Oh, no. <laughs> what? Ah! No! <laughs> oh, God. He, uh, uh, spoiler alert, he's in a BDSM, so he's actually going to like being tortured in hell. Uh, oh, no. Uh, oh, boy. It's literally going to oh, be like Saddam Hussein in the South Park movie with the devil. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, please. Carry <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, we got oh, to move oh. on, though. But this, this is not going away. And again, it's June. They're going all out. You know, the White House putting out all these statements saying, celebrating transgenderism, flying the pride flags at embassies around the world, including in Kuwait, where obviously the population has a problem with that, and Mm -hmm. at the Vatican. Pride flag flying over the Holy See. All right, like, I mean, is is nothing sacred anymore? Nothing is sacred. And the worst part to me is that, again, I will give Biden some benefit of the doubt here. Yes, he is senile. We know that. I guarantee you, he doesn't understand any of what transgenderism means. He probably doesn't even believe it's real. But being barely coherent as he is, he's just going along with what his handlers are telling him. No, 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 Joe. This is a thing now. It started a few years ago, but people can change their genders. Kids can be kids can be surgically changed from boys to girls. And he's just probably saying, "Oh, well, kids, what? Hang on. As long as I can still sniff them, I'll be good, right? You know, like <laughs> he's, he's fine with it. But I don't think they really believe this stuff. But they know 
promoting this will contribute to, as I said before, the breakdown of American society, the breakdown of the family, creating broken, lost, aimless people, creating a nihilist society, which naturally will turn to a party that has a more nihilistic worldview like the Democratic Party, where everything is bad, everything is evil. You've got to keep voting for us to stop, you know, more oppression and to stop isms and phobes wherever they are. And it's there is I can't imagine the end game here. I don't want to imagine the end game. I don't think they really have an end game in sight. I think they really have, you know, short-term goals in mind as far as, you know, getting themselves in power into a supermajority now. And what are we going to do with that supermajority? Eh, we'll think about it in the future. But this can't <laughs> possibly end well, Jack, can it? No, it can't. I think, you know, a lot of people say that when you whether you mention, well, you know, it's all these elites and these people in power, you know, these horrible people who are instituting these policies for their own gain, you know, like people either portray them as being evil and all knowing and all powerful, <clears throat> you know, they have the and have the world gripped in their hands or. You know, they don't know what they're doing. They're just stupid, idiot morons who are just, you know, like like they're not evil, but they're just passing stuff because they think it's right or whatever. Yeah. And like and like and they're the ones in power. It's both. They are both evil and stupid, uh, but they, they, they only can enact their plan because they're the people who can control the reins of power. But actually, when you realize like just how fragile sort of their system is, how many idiots you have at the top that but it's idiots all the way down and it's idiots who you know uh who will come in armed with guns to take your guns away you know in the plan but if you have millions of idiots well then they can overwhelm you via strength of numbers um but so but i think you're right is that you know they're they're doing this they're doing this for power to maintain themselves but they don't i still i genuinely think that they are still surprised and the amount of backlash that they got. That's why, in my opinion, they didn't see Brexit happening. They didn't see Trump happening. They couldn't see just how badly it was going to affect them. You know, they think, oh, we're going to be in our gated communities and we're going to have our, you know, um, cocaine orgies, as Madison Cortland oh, talked about. Rip. You know, we're just going to carry on doing this. But, um, you know, but, uh, but no, I don't think they realized just how badly uh, the consequences of their actions are going to be felt not just by the rest of the country, but by them also. You know, it's only a matter of time before I think this whole, you know, system of, of, of elites that we currently have is going to come crashing down and will be replaced by something far, far much better. So I'm very white pilled on that. I agree. And I, I'm with you, man. I'm white pills all the day. I am your local white pill diller and always will be. Because <laughs> I think, uh, among other things, yeah, they live in a huge bubble, like you said. It's been true. It's, it's, it's true what's been said. The coastal elites, San Francisco, L.A., New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, they live in these bubbles where, of course, they can't comprehend the idea of rural America, flyover country, as they derogatorily call it. They think, oh, of, of course there's trans kids everywhere. Oh, yes, I have five friends with trans kids. <laughs> yes. Like, they can't fathom the idea that a sizable number, a plurality, maybe even a majority of Americans do not agree with them. And they think if they just keep running to the media and the media runs cover for them and their dirty tricks behind the scene, you know, you mentioned Madison Cawthorn, they think, oh, we got rid of mm -hmm. Madison Cawthorn, so they won't know about the Coke orgies anymore or, or they'll just stop asking about it. <laughs> but then they realize, I think one thing that has been said that is definitely true, they got ahead of themselves. They put their cart before the horse on the issue of demographic replacement, you know, mm -hmm. great replacement theory realistically white replacement it has been talked about tucker's been talking about it of course the whole new discussion in the aftermath of the buffalo shooting uh and the fact of the matter is that yeah they are seeking to replace americans with good loyal hordes of illegal aliens who will be amnestied mm -hmm. and vote blindly for democrats for the next three generations they thought they had it in 2016 
Turns out they didn't quite have it yet. Now they think they're going to get it <laughs> under the next four years of Biden. Will they? I don't know. Jacob and I have talked about that. Will it happen in time for 2022? Probably not. Will it happen in time for 2024 so that they won't even have to cheat? Maybe. I don't know. That's why I think 2024 will be probably the last chance one way or another. Even if Trump wins in 2024, I still don't have that much hope for 2028 and after. I just want to see him have one more term to come back and bring fire and fury like the world has never seen on the elite and on the swamp mm -hmm. and really train the swamp or rather burn the swamp down. I think it's the better analogy. <laughs> but ultimately, yeah, I think this is going to have backlash because how far can you go when you talk about you talked about gun control, for example, they want to talk about raising the minimum age to buy AR-15s from 18 to 21. So that, as I said before in my previous episode with uh, guest villain host Patrick von Hanslick, they want you to be old enough to vote and old enough to go fight and die in a foreign war, but not mm -hmm. old enough to own a gun. Well, they want you to be 21 to be able to buy a gun, but they say you can decide your gender at the age of three. They, you can decide it before you're even talking, apparently, yeah. according <laughs> to that. It's, it's clown world. It makes no sense whatsoever, but it is only going to work if we mainstream it and explain to people in the most brutal terms possible what is happening here. And I do want to get your input on this as well. I, I think you and I can agree we haven't seen this yet because of mm -hmm. the people who are behind it. But something making the rounds right now, obviously very appropriately timed given the month it is, is a new documentary from The Daily Wire, courtesy of Matt Walsh, and it's called mm. What is a Woman? And here's the clip from the preview that has gone viral of Matt Walsh talking to someone, to a guy who went through this stuff. So let's uh, listen to this real quick. And even without seeing it, I will explain the visuals because there is a key visual part, but just listening to it is powerful enough. For the first time in history, a marginalized group has a huge dollar sign on the top of their head. We have five children's hospitals in the United States promoting that. And he holds up uh, his arm to show like a really like long, like a kind of skin graft scar or something like that on his arm. That's a phalloplasty. That's a bottom surgery. We have five children's hospitals in the United States telling girls that they can be boys at $70,000 a pop in a surgery that has a 67% complication rate. That will kill me from infection that I can't sue on. We're butchering a generation of children because nobody's willing to talk about anything. So that that's just a fragment of it. Now, of Ugh. course, the, the documentary is behind the Daily Wire paywall because, of course, mm. Uh, I don't like Ben Shapiro. I used to be a huge fan of his. This is part of my political journey. I don't support him anymore. Mm -hmm. Not a huge fan of Daily Wire in general, although, you know, I, I like some of the guys there, you know, Clavin and Knowles and Walsh. I, I think uh, you, can, I, you and I yeah. can agree on this, uh, Jack. He has gotten decisively more based than he once was in the aftermath of 2020, the race riots mm -hmm. and the election fraud and the lockdowns. He is he's arguably the most right wing person there now, which is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. He is, he's, he's my favorite guy. I think there was either a clip or something I remember. It was like a Daily Wire discussion and something like Matt Walsh was trying to bring up something, you know, based. And then he was immediately shut down by Ben Shapiro and everybody else for daring to bring the topic up. And I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know, you know, if Matt Walsh ever comes out from under the thumb of, uh, of the Daily Wire management, I mean, he's already doing that. But can you imagine what, you know, punished Matt Walsh would look like? Oh, my God. Jeez. That would be a that would be a force to reckon with, in my opinion. That, that would be fantastic. I look forward eagerly to the Matt Walsh redemption arc nearing its completion. <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah, it's stuff like this, like that visual. Again, we can't show it right now, but the visual is disturbing. And you hear it in his voice. You hear him breaking down. And he later says in the clip, you know, I, I have several daughters, you know, and they who are the same age, you know, I was. They want to, you know, promote that 
to my daughters. And he says, you know, if ever these people tried to hurt my daughters that way, and he, he starts breaking down. And Matt Walsh mm -hmm. keeps his composure, admittedly, but, like, it's hard to watch. You know, no one ever talks about the people who regret it. You always see the stories of, like, oh, the trannies are like, oh, we're great. I'm living my best life now that I'm a, a mm -hmm. man instead of a woman, vice versa. You never talk to the ones who immediately regret it and want to revert. And they want to go back to the way that things were. But, unfortunately... You can't just go back. You, you can't. You, when you when you cut that thing off, you can't just put it back on. It doesn't work like that. So it, it really is brutal and it's painful. And they silence those stories. The media does because it doesn't fit the narrative. But they really are destroying a future generation. And again, it's not just the handful of the ones who actually go through with it. It's the broader support. Like, oh yeah, we support trans rights. We support that hideous new rainbow flag with the pink and white and blue stripes and the mm -hmm. triangle, the black and brown stripes, because I guess black and brown people are now a sexual minority. I, I don't know. Like, it's getting a lot worse. And TikTok is promoting it. You know, libs of TikTok doing great work exposing that mm -hmm. stuff. And this, again, where does this end? When does this stop? Is it going to take more documentaries like this from guys like Matt Walsh? I think that would be a huge part of it. Uh, well, I think, but nothing short of the Republican Party coming out against it because knowing mm -hmm. the GOP establishment it's only a matter of time before we have a tranny running for office as a Republican somewhere and the RNC is going to be promoting them well I mean you know that was uh, obviously Caitlyn Jenner tried to do that uh, oh. in California I forgot um, yeah <laughs> before Fox News hired so, him yeah <laughs> I know right yeah. which oh. is just hilarious to me but I mean especially you know on the transition especially on the trans kids issue I genuinely think that when the long arc of history concludes um, this is going to be looked back on as bad, if not as worse uh, than slavery. You know, mm. it's going to be, you know, because we think now like, you know, like how could you just, you know, transport, you know, millions of Africans to another continent and, and like enslave them and beat them up and whip them and force you to work, you know, and just have these you know horrific things that resulted from it. You know, how, how could you do that? How could anybody at the time ever think that was a good thing? And then turn around and uh, and get a, a you know get a fourteen year old girl to you know uh, cut her breasts off and like put her on testosterone um, and just yeah you know, and just let them all kill themselves you know and and people are going to be so ashamed um, that, that, that that they supported this to begin with um, you know once once society comes around to just realizing just how evil it is and you know people like us who've spoken out against it from you know, as soon as it really becomes mainstream, and even before that, you know, we're going to be hailed, you know, sort of like the early abolitionists who were somehow the small minority of people who actually saw what was wrong with the world and wasn't afraid to speak out against it, despite the huge societal consequences that resulted. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great comparison. Uh, I think, mm. well, because you think history, slavery, some of the key differences, I think, slavery, of course, is something that existed for pretty much since the dawn of man, you know, dating all the way mm -hmm. back to the Hebrews uh, under the rule of the Egyptians. But this this trans stuff obviously just started within the last 10 years, I guess, I mean, mm. as a mainstream thing. But it's even worse in many ways because, sure, it hasn't been around as long, but it's defiance of basic biology. You know, slavery is one thing. Slavery is just forcing another human to be in servitude to another human, which, of course, is mm -hmm. wrong. You're not defying their biology by doing that. To say, oh, men can be women and vice versa, you know, they, they, they can decide their gender when they're three, you know, whatever. It's it's literally flies in the face of biology. It's like saying dogs can be pigs and birds can be cats. Mm -hmm. It's it's nonsensical. It's even worse than the peak of degeneracy at the height of the Roman Empire with, you know, what guys like Caligula were doing, you know, and they were into some really... Horrible, degenerate debauchery, but even mm -hmm. that could not compare to what is happening now. And again, 
It's the children who are being affected the most. It's innocent children who don't know any better, who don't understand that, you know, I think Revenge of the Sis said this really well, that when you when you tell a little girl, oh, you can be whatever you want, you can be a boy or a girl when they're six years old, they'll be like, oh, okay, mommy, okay, daddy. They'll think it's a game. They don't understand. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can change your costume, you know, you, whatever. You can choose what you want to be. They don't understand the consequences, but then they reap the lifelong consequences of it that they suffer for the mistakes of their parents the sins of their parents not mistakes the sins Mm -hmm. of their ideologically driven parents and again it is encouraged by pop culture when you see it in pop culture you see again the perfect example ellen page all right the actress kind of a low-key actress she was in juno and then she was in inception never really a big star but she was kind of a thing in like the Mm -hmm. late to mid 2000s and then when she was becoming irrelevant, what does she do to get attention? She comes out as a lesbian. So then she has relevance. It's like, oh, lesbian mm-hmm. pride for uh, about five minutes, then fades away for a few more years. Then, oh, I need more attention. I need to be relevant again. Oh, I'm trans now. And I, she gets top <laughs> surgery and everything. Like, it's painfully obvious that she is doing it for attention and to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, damn the consequences. Now, who knows how long it will be until, you know, she you know, comes out for more attention and says she regrets it and I'm back to being a woman mm-hmm. now and I'm back to being straight, whatever. I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe this was just a grand scheme for a big switcheroo to say she's a lesbian so she could date a woman and then come out as trans. So now she's a man again. So now she's dating a straight woman. I, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, but at the end of the day, and again, this is being encouraged by pop culture, by actresses and celebrities, by TikTok, the ultimate cancer. I'm convinced TikTok is the final stage, stage five cancer of social media. Like there's nothing worse mm. than TikTok. Twitter looks like OG 2010 Facebook in comparison to TikTok. TikTok is the absolute worst funded, by the way, and owned mm-hmm. by China. Huh, makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you think. Those Chinese, the Chinamen really know what's up. They know how mm-hmm. to tear America apart from the inside out. They've been doing it with economics and maybe they are now doing it through social and cultural issues and movements. Yeah, I've got to say, I'm I'm a little bit more white-pilled on TikTok because it's like, yes, there is, I mean, it's sort of, TikTok has both sort of the best and worst parts of sort of social media. In terms of the best, I mean, like, especially in the early days, uh, say 2018, 2019, when it first started getting popular, most of the popular content was sort of, you know, not exactly politically correct. And, you know, for kids, it was sort of going up against raining against furries and, you know, joking against stuff like this. It was quite transgressive. And there still is a, a sizable amount of sort of that community uh, on TikTok. And especially, this is the thing, because the algorithm, that unlike all the other social medias where they all, you know, if anybody says anything, ba- you know, barely right wing, you know, boom, like, like, that's it. You know, you're taken off, you're, you're deplatformed. Doesn't happen on TikTok. If you start to engage with right wing content, you'll get more right-wing stuff pushed towards you because that's what the algorithm cares about. The Chinese don't necessarily care about stopping, you know, people from hearing right-wing stuff. They just want to keep you on the platform and mine your data. So they'll keep pushing it towards you. And in fact, many times when, if, when they, you know, it, either either they banned, you know, people I follow, the, the, the For You page serves me their new accounts straight back up after they've been, after they've been banned. And I'm like, I've got to say, in terms of, um, in terms of getting Zoomers, uh, to more over to, to this side of politics. Mm-hmm. Um, if they engage just a little bit on writing content on TikTok, it will be served towards them and they will finally, and they, you know, they could have their eyes open to a lot of things. But the problem is it goes the opposite direction. If, you know, if they fight and interact with left-wing content, even a little bit, that gets pushed to them and they, and they then get sent down that direction. So um, so that's why it, TikTok is a very mixed bag. You know, it has some, as I said, it's some of the worst parts of it, 
But in terms of, you know, platforming right wing content and being sort of, you know, for younger right wing audiences, it's actually pretty underrated, in my opinion. That's very interesting. I never mm. thought of it like that, but you definitely made a good point that that really was a mind-blowing moment for me when you said the Chinese don't care about censoring you if you're conservative or not. Mm -hmm. They just want to mine your data, which, I mean, that's that's pick yeah. your own poison at that point, but that's they're not censoring you. That's interesting. So basically what you're saying, Jack, is we don't have to rely on Elon Musk buying TikTok to save it. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the only bad thing with TikTok is that, yes, they do take people down, but they take people down all across the political spectrum. You know, if you say, like, words like, you know, like, kill or maim or, like, you know, or, uh, or sexually Square. explicit words. Yeah, you know, they'll, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, they'll just take you down regardless of what side you're on. So people left, right, moderate, completely non-political people, you know, get strikes just as much as everybody else. It's a very even-handed censorship system. And it's definitely not just targeted against us, which I find quite refreshing, even if we may still fall victim to it. Right, right. But hey, hey, if in before TikTok becomes the saving grace of the Zoomers, that that will definitely be <laughs> yeah. a twist that mm -hmm. you could not have written better in a script. So, oh, we'll, we'll <laughs> wait and see on that. Keep me updated on the yeah. progress of TikTok. Mm -hmm. I, I don't use it. I'm a millennial. I'm no Zoomer. Mm -hmm. I'm an old man. I don't touch TikTok. That's just not for me. But we'll see what happens. We will see what happens there. Uh, Jack, any final thoughts on this? We obviously have covered a lot of ground here. Any uh, closing mm. thoughts on, on America First or the trans nonsense? Any other closing thoughts you have for our viewers today? Well, I suppose overall, it's just really, I'm excited to see what's happened. I think after, after the election, in my opinion, in my opinion, this is an opinion, not a fact. My opinion was stolen from President Trump. Um, That's an opinion that you and I share, was, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and and you can't get sued for an opinion. Uh, <laughs> but um yeah, uh but you know, so many people just thought, oh, it's oh, it's, it's all ogre. You know, it's when the coronavirus came in, all the restrictions, they thought, God, everything's fucked. You know, I didn't think the world could get any worse after Biden came in. You know, it's all screwed. And then now, you know, 2021, 2020, 2021, bad years, in my opinion. But 2022, there's just, I can, I can feel the energy coming back in. It feels like six years ago. It feels like 2016 to me again. I just have, I can't put my finger on it, but obviously I can point to certain things. Like as we said, the Blake Masters endorsement, you know, people rejecting, you know, transgenderism in, 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 you know, in huge, in huge ways, even normies, you know, coming against it now. But it's like, but even still, it's something that I feel is far more like spiritual. Like, again, like it's a 2016 reawakening 2.0 dark marga edition. And honestly, 2022 and then 2024, it's going to be even more powerful and more explosive. And the pendulum is going to swing back even further our direction this time. I can feel it. And yeah, I'm excited. That really is the takeaway. You should be excited, looking forward to what is going to come down the pipeline very, very, very soon. I definitely agree. I just, again, not just your enthusiastic, your contagious enthusiasm mm -hmm. there, but honestly, yeah, you, you can only go the left, the establishment. When I say you, I'm referring to like the establishment, the, the yeah. elite, basically. They can only go so far puking down our backs and telling us it's a mudslide, all right? They can only go so far with obfuscating and gaslighting and saying, oh, no, no, everything's great, everything's great. Biden's saying we have the best economy in the world right now as gas all across the United States has reached California levels, okay? I used to laugh and say, oh, $4 gas, that's nothing in California. Now it's everywhere, all right? Inflation continues to rise, and the Fed admits they were caught with their pants down and had no idea what to do about it. You have so many other things. You have the... Uh, numerous international crises that make America look hopeless, look like a loser third world nation from Afghanistan to Ukraine. 
You have Biden's approval ratings sinking, even with the media mostly running cover for him. Biden right now, through the averages on both uh, 538 and Real Clear Politics, has the lowest approval rating at this point of his presidency of any president since World War II. That's right, <laughs> even lower than Trump, even lower than bad orange man. And Trump's approval ratings were only so mm -hmm. low because the media was lying and saying he was bad, he was Hitler, he was racist, everything was bad, even though gas was $1.80 a gallon on average. So he, his mm. approval ratings are lower than Trump's. They are lower than any president since World War II. I think Quinnipiac just had another poll out with him at 33% approval. Second poll this year from Quinnipiac alone to have him at 33% approval. The first was in January. And in that poll, by the way, 22% approval rating among Hispanics and 24% mm. approval rating among young adults, among others. He, he is <laughs> Biden will never recover from this. Mm -hmm. There is nothing he can do to stop inflation. There is nothing he can do to make things better. The baby formula shortage, nothing is going to turn this around. We're going to see an absolute backlash, I think, in the midterms. And God willing, yeah, that is going to be enough. The economic woes will be enough to sweep Trump right back into the White House in 2024. And I think if that happens, I will be prepared to throw in the towel and say, like I said, I just want him to see one more victory in 2024, and then I don't care what happens after that. I don't care if DeSantis runs or whoever, although if Vance and or Masters run for president, I will sign up first and foremost. But I think we will be in a better position to have Trump ser serving two consecutive term, non-consecutive terms, Grover Cleveland style, would be better mm. for us than if Trump had won in 2020, rather hadn't had it stolen from him, to serve two consecutive terms, and then the pendulum swings really hard in 2028 with, uh, mm -hmm. or 2024 with a Cuomo presidency or AOC or whoever, because then Trump can't come back and save us because he served his two terms already. So I think that may be the ultimate example, if it pans out, and you are right, and I, I think you are because I agree with you then that will be the ultimate example of we lost a battle so we could win the war, and it will be <laughs> glorious. I cannot wait. And the emphasize being that, wait, it's going to be so long, but, oh, it's going to be so exciting. It just, it just builds up the anticipation towards it and just makes the inevitable victory even sweeter. Inevitable. Like you said, America first is inevitable, and Donald Trump, the art of the comeback is only just beginning god willing and hey my man let's think of it this way before you know it it is a long way but before you know it 2024 will be right around the corner and we will all be eagerly anticipating a second trump presidency with i don't know vice president vance perhaps or i don't know maybe i i still would think a vice president michael flynn would be Oh, you, you put make that guy vice president? Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Oh, no. Let's not get too much into the fantasizing mm -hmm. here. We'll save that for a whole separate episode altogether. But thank you so much for appearing on The Right Take today, Jack. This was as fun and informative and entertaining as I thought it would be, and then some. Before you go, buddy, tell our viewers, our listeners, our audience, where they can find you, where they can follow you and your work at Valiant News. Yes, well, you can find me over on Gab, the free speech social network. I'm over there just at JH. Everywhere else, basically everywhere else, I'm available at Jack Hadders. But all my social media is listed on jackhadfield.co.uk. And then there's a link at the top where you can see all of my articles uh, all day, every day, Monday to Friday on valiantnews.com. And you can watch Valiant News live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on cozy.tv forward slash valiantnews. Right, JH on Gab, Jack Hatters everywhere else, ValiantNews.com, all the links. I'll get all the links from you, buddy, and we'll put them in the description below. Follow Jack, follow Valiant News, follow our good buddy Tom Pappert, as always, and all the great work that they are doing and continuing to do. Unfortunately, 
I really hate to say it this time, but unfortunately, guys, that is all the time we have left for this episode of The Right Take. Thank you guys so much, as always, for tuning in. Jacob will be back soon enough before you even know it, and we will have even more new content and more variety and a broader scope for you guys in the future. Be sure to follow us for all of our latest content, as always, at our website, righttakepodcast.com. The full list of podcast platforms and social media websites where we are available, righttakepodcast.com slash subscribe. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, if you are feeling ever so generous, righttakepodcast.com slash support. We'll talk to you next week, guys.